Second Kings 6. I know many biblical stories people try to water down and use a different word for. And that's, I was talking with my friends the other day. And, uh, I, you know, now in our days, a harlot is just about a Disney character. That's something kind of sweet and nice. Not what we are, you know. And many biblical stories, they are not what we would call PG. <laughs> and that's okay. Because our sin is anything but PG. We need to see these things. And this is an expositional message. I want to go through chapter 6 and chapter 7 and tell you what this says. And this is an evangelical message. God may be pleased to save somebody here today. That'd be wonderful. And this is for me. An experiential message. That means this is a message that's been experienced. I have first-hand understanding of what takes place here. I know it. I know it. Some of you do too. This is a story about a nation of people starving to death. A whole nation is surrounded by an enemy and they're starving to death. And the absolute worst of them, the ones that ain't allowed in, are the very ones that found food and they went and told others where they could find food. That's a story. That's a story. This shows us, here in, here in 2 Kings 6 and 7, this, this story of these lepers and being, them being surrounded by the Syrians, this shows us what we are outside of the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man by nature, left alone. That's what we are. And that has a physical context and that has a spiritual context. We're all of it. And what we are, the story shows us, what we are inside the mercy and inside the forgiveness that's of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well nourished. Well, abundant. Abundant mercies. Abundant nourishment. And, once we see we're outside of Christ, we see inside of Christ. And then we see four lepers going and telling all that need mercy. All that need Christ the bread where I found mercy, where I found Christ the bread. That's it. I was emailed this. I don't know if any of y'all got it, but if you was able to read it, that's a summary of everything you read yesterday or this morning. Here's the situation that these lepers that are going to go tell about this, experience this. Here's the situation they were in. Verse 24, 2 Kings 6. 2 Kings 6, verse 24. And it came to pass after this, that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his hosts and went up and besieged Samaria. Samaria is right smack dab in the middle of, of Israel. And he went and surrounded them, took everything he had. He besieged them. Tactically, I see that a lot. That's just how my brain's wired. I can't help it. Uh, this is not what we called cordon and search. They didn't surround them and then start going house by house and block by block and kicking in doors and taking everything out and inventory everything and looking for the bad people. That's not what happened. Back What happened back in the 90s, this isn't what they called shock and awe. They didn't come in, surround them, and then just bombard them top to bottom, left, right, and center until they just cried uncle and gave. They gathered all this host. They went up, and they surrounded them, and they was going to wait them out. It's going to be long, and there's going to be suffering. But this is going to be good. This is going to be good. Verse 25, And there was a great famine in Samaria, 
because they were surrounded by the enemies. And behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver. Until you went and found a donkey's head and you paid 80 pieces of silver for a head. Some say, well, that's a head of cattle. That was the whole thing. No, it just says the head. I think that's it. And you know what come to mind when I thought that? Uh, some people say, well, we eat head cheese. Well, you can eat a head. Yeah, you can. But what's a head mostly? Bone. I can't stand buying chicken that's got bone in it. Uh, we're pay That's cheaper. Yeah, but you're paying for bone. I can't eat a bone. <laughs> I can boil it, make broth, I guess. But that's paying 80 pieces of silver for a head that has hardly any meat on it at all. That's high dollar, isn't it? That's hyperinflation. That's what we call it nowadays. It was mostly bone. And the fourth part of a cab of doves dung for five pieces of silver. This situation, it wasn't bad enough they was just eating a head of a donkey for an extreme price. This was costly for them. But that they were purchasing a quarter cab of doves dung. How much is that? I don't know. Uh, it's doves dung. <laughs> Couldn't be too much. There's a lot written about this. Well, they use that as fuel to cook with. And I thought of Ezekiel bread. People say, I eat Ezekiel bread. And they said, you want some? I said, not if it's biblical. I don't. Go read about that. <laughs> I don't eat that. It was cooked with dung too, wasn't it? But <clears throat> this is likely what it meant. They would buy this dove dung, mason jar full of it, and they would pick through it to find a seed or to find something undigested to be able to eat so they didn't try to starve to death. They bought doves done. Well, there's some good things in it. right? They say some good things. <laughs> That's what mankind says. This is our spiritual condition outside of the mercies of Christ. We think we're saving ourselves. We think we know everything. We think we have understanding. We need no man teach us. And we think we can figure it out and we're just going to keep on keeping on and we're going to wait it out and we'll beg, borrow, or steal if we have to. But the reality is we're eating dung. That's it. We think we're doing okay. And we think we're getting some true things, but we're eating dung. Paul was doing the same thing. Did you know that? Until we looked like last hour. Until God surely visited him. <laughs> he surely did. Paul was, 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 was of the right tribe. He was circumcised the right day. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was moving up the political chain. He was in line to be the Sanhedrin, probably going to be high priest. I mean, he was an up-and-comer, buddy, and had to, had to whirl by the tail on a downhill pool. And knew them, knew, he knew his Bible. He sure did, didn't he? He didn't understand a lick of it, but he knew his Bible. He said, but what things were gained to me? Those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ my Lord for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. He said all those things I was doing outside of Christ, it's dung. And I was paying a pretty penny for it. Sin comes at a heavy cost. But I count all that stuff before. Dung. Because now I see Christ, that I may win Him and be found in Him. Not having my own righteousness, not providing my own seeds that I dung out of dove dung, which is of the law, that's doing. But that which is wrought through the faith of 
Christ, through His faith, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Paul said, oh, that's done. This ain't just some, this ain't a sob story about hyperinflation. You understand? The Lord's teaching us something here. If the Lord leaves us to ourselves, we're going to, we're going to waste a lot of money on things that we can't eat. We're going to try to eat things and say, well, there's good stuff in it. And then we're going to turn to cannibals. We'll start eating one another. If He leaves us to ourselves, what's the source of contention? You ever had any contention? You say, well, things just ain't going good down there. God says the only source of contention is pride. And our pride, will, our fangs will come out and we'll devour whoever's next to us. Look here in verse 30. I'm sorry, verse 26. And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help, my Lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord did not help thee, whence shall I help thee? Ain't that the truth? <laughs> he was right twice that day, wasn't he? He said some true things. If the Lord can't help you, I can't do nothing for you. But she made a pact with this other lady. She tells the king, and they, she said, We're going to boil my son one day and eat him. And then tomorrow we're going to boil your son, your infant, and we'll eat him. She said, so yesterday we ate my son. And today we went to boil his, her son, and she's hit him. Now you need to do something about this, king. What a thing to take before the law. How could that ever happen in our day? What's happening in our day? <laughs> They're fighting on how many babies they can kill a day. Nothing's changed. Ain't nothing new underneath the sun. As that sin waxes grosser and older and bigger and bigger, it's not that this world's getting more corrupt. It's that we're growing in grace and we're understanding what we are. It's me. All that good stuff I thought I was doing in them laundry rooms, Bible thumping, was for naught. It was dumb, is all it was. And I thought I had me a good old pile of it. Hmm. Verse 30. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes. And he passed by upon the wall, and the people looked, and behold, he was in sackcloth within upon his flesh. Oh, he was just tore all to pieces. But he didn't repent. He was, he was tore up because of the things that were happening. He was really, really sad. They didn't cry out to God, did he? This is all happening because Israel had sinned against God. All of my problems, whether it's something big or it's a little bitty wrinkle or a dot that popped up yesterday and it's growing weird. Whatever it is, it's gray hair. It's because I sinned against God. The reason this body's dying is sin. That's it. Not somebody else's sin. This fella's sin. If I'm on a dessert, you take a person and clean them the best you I mean, just sterilize them. Douse them in rubbing alcohol and put them in a sterile room and leave them alone. What's going to happen four days later? That room's going to smell bad. Because that's what we are. That's what we are. We sinned against thee and thee only. Outside of Christ, outside of that new creation left in our, whole, our old hearts, who do we blame? Who do we blame for all this stuff going on? Just like our father Adam, it's God's fault, isn't it? This is all God's fault. But, but the Lord wasn't physically there for this king to blame. So what's the next best thing? Look at verse 31. Then he said, God do so and much more also to me if the head of Elisha, the son of Shapta, shall stand on him this day. If I don't cut Elisha's head off before the sun goes down, the Lord do to me and much more. Get that prophet over here and let's kill him. This is your fault. You didn't say, You know what you said two years ago, Elisha? That's why we're in the mess we're in. <laughs> it wasn't Elisha's fault. He was with the elders. He was back there praying for the Lord to, to work in him. King sent a message. Look at verse 32. But Elisha sat in his house and the elders sat with him, the other preachers. 
And the king sent a man from before him. But ere the messenger came to him, Elisha said to the elders, You see how the son of a murderer hath sent to take away my head? That king's going to kill me because of this. Look, when the messenger cometh, shut the door, and hold him fast at the door. And then we're going to listen. Is not the sound of the master's feet behind him? You hide and watch it. There's going to be somebody coming. You just pin him down, and that king's going to be coming right behind him. Mark my words. Mark my words. What you know, Elisha. You know exactly what's happening. That's what he knew. Verse 33. And while he yet talked with them, behold, the messenger came down unto him. And he said, Behold, this evil is of the Lord. I think Brother Gill missed that. Elisha said, "This is What's going on is bad, but the Lord did it. It's fine. What, should I wait for the Lord any longer? Why should I have them hold him up, try to prove a point? The Lord's working. This is fine. This is fine. And now the prophet's going to speak. Chapter 7, verse 1. Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. What are you to hear? The word. Whose word? The Lord's word. Thus saith the Lord. Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel. You go down and get you a 10 pound bag of flour, it's going to cost you half a penny. And two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Tomorrow morning, the economy is going to turn 180 degrees and there's going to be food coming out of your ears. The Lord shall surely visit you. You know what Joseph said? He's going to bring you out. He's going to pour out great blessings. What your need is, if you truly have a need, what your need is, it's going to be multiplied. It's going to be multiplied in this His Word, in what He says. And He's able to do anything He says, and anything He wills to do is what's going to do, because He's the Lord, and you can take it to the bank. That's who's speaking. Life said, I'm speaking on God's behalf. That's a frightening thing. And nothing's changed. I have to speak on God's behalf. And I pray earnestly He's with me. Don't leave me to myself. Paul said, Now unto Him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. That's the same thing Elisha's telling them. You, you've been starving. You're so, it ain't like, well, i got some food at the house. They're eating babies. They're eating dung. And he said, the Lord's will come in and you just going, your cup's going to overflow. And they're about to kill him because of that. That's happened too, wasn't it? Moses prayed to the Lord. He said, they're about to stone me to death. And them apostles, they killed them and threw out time those martyrs. He kept telling them, this is good news. He's telling them, he said, the Lord has a people and He's going to provide all things for those people. That's election. He was preaching election to them. And that's a good thing for people that can't feed themselves and can't fend for themselves. But it seems impossible to many. It seems wrong to many, doesn't it? Look at verse 2. Then a Lord, that's a lowercase l. That's just one of the servants there of the king. Then a Lord whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God. Here's, here's the right hand man of the king. He's moved up. And he's got. I have a position in the, this carnal world, so I'm going to tell that prophet what's up. That's what this is. And he said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? The, Lord, the Lord's going to have to open up the skies and pour out flour and barley for this to be possible. He said, Yeah, right, is what he's saying. Are you kidding me, Elisha, what you're telling me? 
Do you know what would have to take place? I've calculated this. God would have to open up windows. You ever seen a window up in the sky? No. And that's what's going to have to happen. That's ridiculous. That's exactly what the Lord will do. That's exactly... What's His Word say? Do you remember? Do you remember? (laughs) Remembrancers? Malachi 3.10, He said, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now how with saith the Lord of hosts. Who's speaking? The Lord of hosts is speaking. He says, If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. He said, Try me. <laughs> Try me. Watch what will happen. He didn't say he's going to pour out money. He didn't say he's going to pour out wheat or barley or whatever. He said, Blessings. You have a need? I need mercy. I don't know if he's got enough. Oh, he's got plenty enough. You just stand back and watch. Try him. Try it. He said, I'll open up windows. In the verse 2, Elisha says to him, and he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes. You're going to watch it happen, but thou shalt not eat thereof. <whistles> Buddy, you're going to be right on the outside of that city of refuge, but you ain't going in it. No, not like that. Ain't going to happen. And he didn't. And he didn't. What a mean, austere man Elisha was. Absolutely not. He came with warning, didn't he? That's going to chop his head off. And he said, you're going to see it, but you ain't going to eat it. Look at the end of verse 17. Right at the beginning. Chapter 7, verse 17. And the king anointed, appointed the Lord, that's that same fellow on whose hand he leaned, to have the charge of the gate when all this good news had come. And the people trod him down in the gate, and he died. They were running so hard to Christ, they clean trampled him. As the man of God had said, who spake when the king came down to him. If a man's speaking on behalf of God and he tells you what God says, the Lord says, touch not mine anointed. That's a frightening thing, isn't it? On both ends of the fence. It's a frightening thing to say. <laughs> this is what the Lord says. I better know what I'm talking about. And to those that reject it, what a painful thing. The Lord must give faith to believe Him and His Word. But we have to warn people about unbelief, don't we? His Word says that. Yeah, but... That's, that's the most common response to the family members I have and the friends that I have and the people I grew up with. I'm just, yeah, but God says this. Yeah, but. Well, you may see it, but you ain't going to taste it. Unless God gives you a new heart. He has to give us faith to believe Him. What was faith we learned last hour? Believe in Him. That's what He says. You got a good handle on it? No, but <laughs> He said He'll keep me and He'll teach me. So if He ain't taught me yet, I don't need to know. That's good enough, isn't it? Not believing God is eternal death and to die in your sin. There's not a gray area here. There's not a, well, a little bit of living ain't going to hurt nobody. There's truth and there's there's death. There's life and death. That's it. The Lord said he's going, the Holy Spirit's going to come to His people and He's going to convict them of sin because they believe not on Me. If we were going to make a list, if I was going to list you all the war crimes or whatever, the worst things ever I've ever done in my whole life. Do you think number one on that list would be unbelief? God said it and I didn't believe Him. That's the worst. That's the worst thing. That jailer asked him, boys in Acts 16, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And he said, they told him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. They didn't say do nothing or pray nothing. Or nothing. Just believe Him. Believe God and you already are. What is it to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? We've looked at His names before, haven't we? Jehovah Jireh, the Lord shall provide. That's what Elisha's telling him. God's going to provide this. 
And then sarcastically, someone said, oh, was going to open a window? He said, better watch what you're talking about. That's exactly what God's going to do. That's what His Word says. He will provide. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord heals you. You're sick. You're emaciated. That's our natural condition. Well, we're too far gone. Not for this great physician. He's Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Nisi. Who are you going to talk about after this happens? How you found it and how you did it and you chose Jesus? Absolutely not. You'll fly Christ our banner. He did it all. Jehovah in Kadesh. We always forget that one, don't we? You know what that means? Remember? The Lord that sanctifies you. We have to sanctify yourselves. You can't. That's God's work. And to take that work on means you're taking the name of the Lord. You're going to take on His. We don't do that. It's His work. Christ is our sanctification and redemption, isn't it? Jehovah Shalom. If all this happens, we're, and our last name is the Lord, our righteousness, Jehovah Sikhenu, just like His last name, He's Jehovah Shalom. That's peace. That's contentment, isn't it? We might still have some struggles to go through, but we got peace in the heart. Because He's our peace. Jehovah Nisi, Lord our banner, and Jehovah Rea, the Lord my shepherd. He'll guide me through every bit of it. It's fine. I ain't worried about it. Eat your ham sandwich. Believe the Lord. Believe what He says. Not what a man said. Not what a creed says. Not what I think. Not what I determine. But what the Lord says. Believe Him. Elijah had a word from the Lord. God will deliver you and that right early. That's what David wrote, wasn't it? God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her in that right early. First thing tomorrow morning, don't you worry about it, boys. Elijah said, the Lord will provide. And the lepers were provided for. They said, the Lord will provide. That's what they said. Book of verse 3. Here's our lepers. And there were four leprous men at the entering of the gate. And they said one to another, why sit we here till we die? If we say we will enter the city, then the famine's in the city. And there shall we die. And if we sit here, we stay where we're at, we'll die also. Now therefore come, and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. We're dead, Ben. This is a wonderful Wonderful profession of faith. The God God gives this understanding. This is this is this that knowledge is understanding. And they said, if we stay right where we are, in ourselves, we're going to die. If we go into that city, that's against the law. I'm a leper. I ain't allowed to be in that city. And if I was allowed in that city, I'm still a leper, and they're starving to death anyway. What's inside of that city can't provide life. I'm going to die. And so I'm going to go to the enemy. And if that enemy's pleased, I beg mercy, we'll live. They'll take care of us. And if they don't, we're going to die anyway. And they're right to kill us. Because that's the enemy. But we've got to go to the enemy and beg mercy. And they might save us. Hmm. David, when his son died, they said, how come you was praying so hard before? We said your son died. Now you went and you shaved and you got cleaned up and anointed yourself with some cologne on. You went down to the house of God to worship. And he said, while the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child might live? That's what these lepers were saying. Abraham interceded for Sodom. He said, peradventure, what if there's 50 righteous in that city, Lord? Would you save it? Lord said, I'll save it. What if there's 45? Peradventure, I'd save it. Peradventure, 40. Peradventure 20, peradventure 10. Lord said, I'll save them. If there's righteous there, I'll bring them out. Don't you worry about that, Abram. But we're enemies. 
the series here a, a, a picture of, of, of the Lord and, and, and us for, for a brief moment, isn't it? That's when the Lord's going to save us. Not when we're buddies. Not when we're best buds. When, if we find out we're enemies of God, God's starting to work in somebody. That's when He saved us. That's what Paul said in Romans 5, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled shall you be saved by His life. Christ died for us while, while we were still in our sins, while we hated God. The carnal mind is enmity against God. Not at war with Him. Is war against Him. You hated God and I hated God until God revealed Himself. Why did these lepers go to the ones who were right to kill them? That's the end. If, I, if we go to God for this mercy and He kills me, He's just. That's right. For God to send me into eternal damnation because of old man Kevin, he's, he's absolutely correct. Why do we go there begging mercy? You only do it when there's absolutely no other option. There's no more dung to eat, you can't eat it no more. There's no more horse head to eat, you can't eat it no more. There's no more babies to boil. We have to go to Him or we die. That's a good place to be. Well, when did they go? Verse 5. And they rose up in the twilight. You know when that is? Right then. It was, it was so early, it was still late. <laughs> it was so early in the morning, it was still last night. Right then. Early, first thing they got up, twilight, to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. If the Lord makes us enemies, makes a sinner out of us, and we say we have to beg Him for mercy, and He's right to kill us, and we come to beg for mercy, when that happens, we find out mercy already has already beat us there. There ain't, there ain't no enemy. There ain't no enemy. The Syrians weren't there. Who did that? How'd that happen? But God. Look at verse 6. For the Lord, because the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear noise of chariots and noise of horses and noise of great host, and they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was. They left everything in place and fled for their life. They got out of town. How'd that happen? The Lord did it. He cast out all the enemies. He drove off everything that was against us. The handwriting of ordinances, sin, death, the grave, Satan, ourselves. He went in. And in, in his business, in the way he saw fit, he drove it all out. Thoroughly. And they just dropped the shotgun. Took off running. What a provision of the Lord. Look at verse 8. And when the lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went in and hid it and came again and entered to another tent. And they carried thence also and went and hid it. Every tent we go in, it's just there's food and there's gold and there's things to drink and, and weapons and body armor and whatever's needed. It's just everywhere. It's just at every tent. Everyone we go in. And there's no enemy here. But they went and hid it. They took those things and they buried it, didn't they? These men were wealthy. Right then. These four lepers, rich. Rich. 
real rich, not rich, wealthy. They're wealthy. I was pulled into a conference one time, and there's two men parking, and right next to each other, one was an old beat-up Ford Ranger, and right next to it was a brand-new Range Rover. And both them men got out, and they shook hands and hugged, and I thought, both of them men are loaded. I mean, they're, they're the two wealthiest men that ever, don't matter what you drive, it don't matter what kind of shoes you got on. God saved them. God gave them His Son as their righteousness. They're wealthy. They're wealthy. But these lepers, at first they hid this, didn't they? What was they doing that for? They, they hear these things, because this was individually, personally, and it was they wanted to look out for number one. It was self-preservation. And that's what we read in Matthew 25. The Lord gave that parable of the talents. And He said to that one which received the, the one talent, He came and said, Lord, He goes, I know you're a man that's hard. You're austere. And you reap where you don't sow. And, and, and you gathered where you didn't, you didn't straw anything. And they said, I was afraid. And I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Isn't that what these men were doing? The Lord had been just so gracious to them. And they took it and they buried it underground. They went and hid it in the earth. So they could keep it for themselves. But the Lord did a heart work in these men. This is all the same night. I mean, this is maybe ten minutes. Maybe ten hours. I don't know. But right then, the Lord, the Lord did a heart work in them and He sent them. Look here at verse 9. And they said one to another, We do not well. They had done wrong, but the Lord gave them some wisdom. And they said, What we're doing is wrong. What we're doing is wrong. We're not doing well. This day is a day of good tidings. And we hold our peace. We've got good news. That's what gospel means. Good news. We got we got more we're gonna run out. We're gonna run out of good news. We're gonna run out of mercies and, and living water and bread of life. Lord ain't gonna run out. I think that often it snowed there for most of the country and it rained here for us. And Lord told Job, he said, Do you know how much hail I have in a storehouse to turn a war if I want to? Elections were coming, it froze them out. They said, how are they going to vote? I said, well, that's the Lord's storehouses of snow coming down, isn't it? We have this good news. Good tidings. They said, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. The Lord will kill us if He give us such good things and we did nothing with it. Just set her on it, consumed it on our lust. We had good tidings. We have to go tell somebody. You know what the Lord made in them right then? Witnesses. Witnesses. He did something good for them. This is His doing. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon was multiplied to me at Calvary. And we got to tell somebody. He made preachers out of them. Verse 10. So they came and called to the porter of the city, and they told him, saying, we came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied and asses tied and the tents as they were. Everything's right in place. And he called the porters and told the kings, <clears throat> told it to the king's house within. What is this good tidings? The war's over. The enemy's gone, and all things are provided. How did Paul word that? There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. None. Right now. No condemnation. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that city at the gate or with that enemy. And that it was weak through the flesh. God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. 
Being made us. And for sin. Condemning sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. What's that mean? The enemy's gone. God did it. Go eat. That's what they're saying. He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? Right there it is, boys. He told Peter, rise, kill, and eat. Eat what you want. He's provided all those things. That's too good to be true. That doesn't fit human logic, does it? The king says this is a trap. He said, we're going to go outside of these walls. We have our protection. We've established our protection. And if I was to go outside of this protection, I'm going to go in that tent into a tabernacle. <laughs> see this fortified city? Do you see? You get that? If I was to leave this thing I built, I'd have to trust God. And them Syrians would kill us. Didn't they? And so they said, well, let's, let's take some horses with us. We'll take five horses. And them horses, they're as, as starved as we are. We, there's just five of them we happen not to eat yet. But their bones are showing through. They said, let us take five of them out there. We'll go check it out for you. We'll send a reconnaissance party out. So verse 14, they took therefore two chariot horses and the king sent after the host of the Syrians and said, go and see. And they went after them unto Jordan. And lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels. The whole way, the whole trip, they went nothing but vessels and garments on the sides of the road. Everything needed. Well, what if them horses get thirsty? There's a vessel full of water right there. Look at that. Look what the Lord did. Which the Syrians had cast away in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king. And the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. Mm. He said his servants won't go hungry. David said, I've been young and I've been old and I've never seen the righteous begging bread. He said in Isaiah, he said, Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, my servants shall eat, but you shall be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink, but you're going to be thirsty. And my servants are going to rejoice and you're going to be ashamed. Now is that talking about physical bread? There's probably some believers who's been hungry before, ain't they? There's probably some believers who've been thirsty before. He's talking about Christ, the water of life. That's how he taught us to pray. He said, give us our daily bread. Does that mean I need some sourdough, Miss Kimberly, to make me up on top of the hill? Well, yeah, I'm going to have to eat something. I need Christ today. And that right early. First thing in the morning. Get up early before the dawn breaks. And I need to see Him then. And I need to see Him at lunchtime. And I'm going to need to see Him at, at, at dinner time. And I'm going to need a snack before I go to bed. And if I wake up at 3 a.m., I'm going to need Him then too. That's what that means. And he said, my servants, my children, they ain't going hungry. They need Christ, they're going to get Him. I ain't seen the Lord in just days and I'm so dark. Have you asked Him? At times I struggle for a message. I said, Lord, I've, I mean, I've worked hard. i got a full-time job going on someplace else. i got a full-time job studying here and, and I ain't getting nothing. Have I asked Him? Lord, would you give me a message? And then, fast as these little fingers can type. <laughs> fast as I can scribble it down. He's faithful. He's faithful. Verse 17, those that find Him precious are going to get to Him. They ain't going to stay off by themselves and be warmed by their own fire. They're going to run to the feet of Christ. If we know who we are and we know who He is, you're going to get to Him. Quick as we can. Look at verse 17, and the king appointed the Lord on whose hand he leaned to have the charge of the gate. He said, you go down there and make sure everybody don't leave at once. We need to do it orderly fashion. 
and the people trod him, trod upon him in the gate, and he died, as the man of God had said, who spake when the king came down to him. <laughs> they just run him over, just trodden him to death. And it came to pass, as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two measures of barley for a shekel, and a measure of fine flour for the shekel, shall be tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. And that Lord answered the man of God and said, Now behold, if the Lord should make the windows of heaven, might such a thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. And so it fell out to him, for the people trod him upon the gate, and he died. What a thing that is. What a blessing it is for the Lord to show us a lot about windows. I was looking at that Psalm 59 is how I ended up here. <laughs> the Lord had a window in that ark, didn't He? There's one way you're going to get light. One way. There's one way we're going to be blessing, blessed if the Lord opens up Christ the window of heaven and, and blesses us. And if He does that, we'll forsake father and mother and daughters and sons and friends and work jobs and still leave the gospel for a better job, we'll leave a job for a better gospel. And we'll, we'll run to Him and cling to Him. Because He made us. Is that because we're so good? He made us hungry and He drew us with famine and hunger. That's kind, isn't it? I've seen a lot of distended bellies and flies on kids' eyes and just starvation. And that's a terrible thing. But it's wonderful if the Lord uses something like that and He saves somebody. We know what we deserve, don't we? He's, he's precious. All right. Grab the mic.